1: Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, Beck from Married at First Sight drops a bombshell in an exclusive interview. Ten makes a major change to its programming slate and Daryl Summers on the hustings for Dancing with the Stars, but he spends more time talking about Hey Hey, It's Saturday. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And welcome to another big week of the TV Black Box. In the house, we have Rod Morris.
4: Hello, Rod.
3: Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody.
4: Aaron Ryan is here. It's <laughs> yes, hello, gorgeous people. And uh, the Bev McGarvey saga drags on. She, did, um, <laughs> she didn't phone me last week, but I had pr- previously been dealing with publicity. Um, and this week, I decided to send her a personal, really kind email that she could not possibly resist, but to respond. And guess what? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Bev. Although she's got, you've got to check the email address with uh,
1: Bev. It's not what you would expect it to be if you're following the ten protocols. There's a tip for everyone. And Ooh. Sarah Monahan, actress extraordinaire, is with us. Hello, Sarah.
5: Hello. If there's any strange noises, uh, I've got the puppy this week.
1: Yes, the puppy's been out and about and already causing trouble. Yes. Um, Look, before we get into today's stories, I have to say, today there's been a big press conference. We're recording this Tuesday morning. The PM has come out responding to the 10 News allegations, those shocking photos of solo acts and sex within Parliament House and Four Corners also had the security guard. This was a very big press conference. ABC carried it live. Nine broke into their programming and carried it live. Ten and Seven, with Studio 10 and The Morning Show or Sunrise, are still on the one-hour delay up here in Brisbane and Queensland. And i got to say, it's such a disservice to the viewers. When news is breaking... We want to hear it at the same time as the rest of the country, and I'm sure this goes for WA as well, Aaron. It is so frustrating when there is something big happening and we're still on that delay. Don't you find that, Aaron?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, WA viewers have always been left out, you know, with a three-hour delay in summer. But the interesting thing is a couple of times they have broken into programming and then released the news. But then they've had to go back to the part of the show after that where they were, and then they reveal it again, if that makes sense. And you Mm, end up going around mm. in a circle twice. And it's like, what's happening here? But, I mean, at the end of the day, if there's news breaking, if there's WA news breaking, they do break into it for sure.
1: Yeah, well, I just thought on this one it was worth the break in. And today have been really clever. They went back to what they were doing before the press conference started um and when they get to the press conference i think they're then going to go to the one hour turned around feed so they'll skip the press conference um and look i would rather see a press conference twice than not see it live the first time news is happening we live in a 24-hour news cycle please to the people in charge follow channel nine's lead and look I also have to say that, I have to put a disclaimer on that, that sometimes I am paid by Channel Nine to appear on the Today Show and Today Extra. I'm not making these comments because of that. This is genuinely how I feel. All right, let's move on to the news stories of the week. And the ratings blockbuster of Nines Married at First Sight seems to have the other networks panicking. Ten has moved the launch of their biggest show, MasterChef Australia, to avoid going up against MAFs. MasterChef usually comes back straight out of Easter, but with MAFs having been pushed back due to the delay of the Australian Open, Aaron Ryan, our very own, has revealed the premiere has been moved to Sunday, April 18th, up against Lego Masters. Extra episodes of The Cube are set to be used as filler after the amazing race Australia wraps up soon. Aaron, as I said, you broke this story. What do you think? Is this
4: a good move for 10? Is it a smart move? Well, probably another reason for Bev not to be calling me, but uh, releasing that uh, so far ahead. Look, obviously it's a smart move, um, not putting the show up against Maths, but it does put a three-week hole in their schedule. Um, They're essentially going to fill it with, um, as you mentioned, the cube and uh, the Royals revealed, and there's a heap of repeats going in there. But I think going up against, you know, the final week or the final two weeks of mass would be problematic for them. They want a free free run. Um, So it will go on Sunday the 18th. There is talks now because of what's come out is nine may actually move the final episode of Married at First Sight to Sunday the 18th, which may push MasterChef by one night to the Monday night and, Big Brothers in there, Lego Masters. It's all starting that weekend, so it's going to be a, a, a big weekend.
1: And we've also got Dancing with the Stars floating around somewhere. I know you've been doing some deductions and have worked out a few dates for that or the date. But um, it's interesting, Aaron. I I don't blame Ten for doing this. You know, it's it MasterChef is their biggest brand. It needs to be protected. You don't need to throw it to the wolves
4: by putting it up against Married at First Sight. No, definitely not. And the Australian Open caused a delay with all of this because it pushed Married at First Sight out, which pushed Married at First Sight past Easter. and There's been a you know an effect going down. Um, so the other networks just have to unfortunately jiggle around their schedule and put some filler programming in. Dancing with the Stars is in there as well. And then and then when January the um sorry April the 18th and 19th come. We'll be back to normal. But, yeah, it's going to be a little odd for a few weeks.
1: Indeed. Well, you know what? As it turns out, Married at First Sight Australia isn't only a hit locally. British director of the Oscar-nominated Promising Young Woman has admitted to being a fan. 2019 season aired in the UK during lockdown and even Grammy winner singer Sam Smith described it as incredible television. It reached an average audience of 1.4 million viewers and was the top-ranked series in the network's on-demand service each week. Nine's head of content Adrian Swift says he is proud it has done so well and that Channel 4 in the UK are seeking advice about turbocharging their own version. Sarah, Australia leading the way on Trashy TV. (laughs) Yeah,
5: and I read in the article that it was shown in the US, and I want to know what channel it's on so I can watch it without having to have some VPN going through to Australia.
1: Mm. Well, Rod, I'm addicted to this series of Merit at First Sight. I'm not sure you'd be a Merit at First Sight uh, uh, fan, but I'm genuinely loving it.
3: Yeah, well, the fact it's rating is great, and the fact that... um You know, what I actually like is looking at the ratings these days and seeing how much of the the content in the top 10 is Australian content. Um, Just back to the uh, MasterChef situation, though, I I think it's – I admire them for at least going, right, let's not go head dead, let's not Mm. smash it because years ago – um, what used to frustrate me was networks would do spoiler programming. So if someone had a good talent show on, well, we'd better put up a talent show. So we'll either steal their audience or people get sick of it, so we'll kill that format off. And that was the sort of mentality. I, I like seeing things like Mathis uh, – sorry, M- MasterChef going, right, let's just pull back. I think it's great. And, you know, Adrian Swift and all the crew that have put Mathis together, you know, good on them. Well Well, that
1: is certainly a thing from years gone by that – the networks would get wind about a TV show and then go and uh, steal the format, come up yeah, with their the own spoiler
3: version. programming, absolutely. They go head-to-head head and try and just kill each other. And to me, any, any format locally that gets made, if, if, everything that fails hurts the whole industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
5: I think it's funny that there's, like, nothing on TV all year that rates above, like, 200, and then we have three shows and they try and stick them all in the same shop, like the same time <laughs> slot. Exactly.
1: Uh, it's yes, like,
5: spread your shit you- out. No, nah, yeah, you know yeah, totally agree.
1: it's like as we come into Q2, there's going to be a lot of big programs coming and proven performers, and they are going to go up against each other because the whole idea is to be number one and not let the other networks take advertising share. It's all about advertising share and your piece of the pie. Everyone wants a bigger pie than their competitor, and it's called competition for a reason.
5: I get it, but at the same time, if you've only got three shows that are rating... Like, why do we have to choose between those three shows? Like, put one on, just, just, the networks need to get together and have, like, a nice handshake agreement, a general agreement where they're doing almost like price fixing with the, like, like you get Monday, I get Tuesday, we get Wednesday.
1: Just make it happen. Uh, no, and, and you know what? They can all meet up on Byron Bay and sing, Kumbaya, my lord, Kumbaya. Could you imagine? The programmers get together, it'd be more like... uh uh, the Hunger Games.
4: <laughs> I actually agree with Sarah, though, in just in the sense of probably not their Big Ten pole programs, but like when they have a new Australian drama, because they invest a lot of money into this, and they want to see Australian drama do really well, and then they premiere two Australian dramas like on the same night in the same time slot. I I really think what Sarah says, you know, they should just call Barleys and go, look, we'll do Sundays, and you do Wednesdays, sort of thing, so they're not up against each other because they just kill off. You know, a straight <laughs> in drama.
1: Isn't that anti competitive? Or, you know, uh, I don't think that's legal. Look, there's no
5: longer competition on TV, <laughs> right? Nobody's watching TV. They're all watching YouTube and like, tiktok so take your take your wins where you can and just divvy it up
1: all right well sharon osborne is fighting for her career over in the us at the moment it all started where sharon and her co-host cheryl underwood butted heads over piers morgan and whether his comments were racist have a listen
2: I, um, I, I feel even mm-hmm. like uh, I'm about to be put in the electric chair because I have a friend who many people think is a racist, so that makes me a racist. And for me at 68 years of age to have to turn around and say, I ain't racist. Right. What's well, it gotta I- do with me? How can I be racist about anybody? How can I be racist about anybody or anything in my life how can i
4: well well, well i will well watch we will be right well back what? we have more
2: topics so don't go away and i think we don't should go- stop this i will From ask you again cheryl yes. i've been asking you during the break right. i am asking you again and don't try and cry because if anyone should be Crying it should be me. This is the situation. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me. Tell me when you have heard him say racist things. Educate me. Tell
4: me. It, It is not the exact words of racism. It's the implication and the reaction to it. To not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or to make it seem less than what it is. That's what makes it racist. But but right now, I'm talking to a woman who I believe is my friend, and I don't want anybody here to to l- watch this and say that we're attacking you for being racist, and
2: and, and that and and for that, if I articulate it, I think it's anything, too late. I think that seed's okay. already sown.
1: Since then, the show has been pulled off air pending an internal review, which is also investigating other allegations from ex-hosts of Sharon Osbourne's behaviour and comments. But Osbourne has come out swinging in an interview with Entertainment Tonight.
2: I finished saying what I'm saying and then Cheryl asked me these questions which I didn't know and they were written questions and then Elaine's reading her questions. Stand up for anti-racism. And I'm like, I've been set up.
3: What do you want to say to Cheryl?
2: I love Cheryl. I love Cheryl. I've apologized to Cheryl. She's not gotten back, and I I can understand Cheryl needs her time.
3: Do you understand how people could look at it and say you telling her not to cry could look like you are attacking Cheryl?
2: Oh, I was having I was having a go at my friend. I got too personal with Cheryl. I should never have said about her tears. I should never have dismissed her feelings on national TV.
1: She elaborated on the feeling of being set up by saying she believes she has been told that executives at the network blindsided her with this line of questioning to sabotage her and that CBS wants her gone due to her friendship with Piers Morgan. When she was asked about her future on the show, here's what she said.
2: I wish that we could go on and have a adult conversation calmly and work it out but I don't know whether we can I don't know whether it's gone past that but I don't know whether I even want to go back I don't know whether it's I don't know whether
1: I'm wanted there what do you think Sarah is Sharon Osborne a victim of her own choices or is it cancel culture
5: I think it's 2021 and um if you are white you are automatically racist That's basically how it is in America right now. If you are white, you are a colonial oppressor and nobody gives a fuck what you have to say or don't say. You are just automatically labeled as a racist because you are white, which in itself is racist because people are assuming something about you based on your color. Um, But it doesn't matter because only white people can be racist. Um, And yeah, I think that it doesn't matter what she does or what she doesn't say. People have already brought the clause out and she's kind of screwed and she probably be invited to leave the show.
1: But what about this issue that she was being punished for having Piers Morgan as a friend?
5: Well, everyone hates Piers. Like, over here, they're all like, they don't like him and he was a Trump supporter and therefore, you know, because Orange Mad bad... He was therefore also bad, and his whole thing on Megan, whether he agreed with her or not, or liked her or not, and he used to like her. He was friends with her, and then she cut him out when she started dating Harry, or when it became serious. And he had, you know, a hissy fit about that. And I don't think it had anything to do with racial. But again, he's white, she's colored, so therefore he's racist. And it doesn't matter whether you like her because of her color or not, or if you just think that she's a bitch. He's racist and therefore Sharon is friends with him, which ergo makes her a racist. Mm. So anyone who is then friends with Sharon is going to, like, the shit's going to roll downhill and everyone will distance themselves from Sharon because they don't want to be painted as being racist as well.
1: What do you think, Rod? Uh, uh, This concerns me. Yeah, look, it it
3: concerns me in that, look, to me, we're all... We're all products of whatever era we were brought up in. You know, I was born in the '60s, and you know, what was acceptable in the '60s is a hell of a lot different to what's acceptable now. I don't think what Sharon Osborne said was that bad. Now, does that mean I'm either unenlightened or stupid or insensitive or am I racist because I didn't th- like? I've listened to it several times. And think it's not that bad. And is it just the fact that yeah, she's she's Piers mate and the friend of my enemy is, must be my enemy? Um, the, the thing that you know people often quote freedom of speech seems to have gone. But what I think's worse is we seem to be on a trajectory t- to a point where personal opinions will no longer be tolerated by society in general, mm. especially if you're white.
5: It's, you know, it's feelings. But it's like Cheryl even said, Piers didn't actually say anything racist. Yes. Yeah. There was an implication of racism because he didn't come out and say something that wasn't racist. I, like I couldn't follow, but because he didn't, he, because he didn't love on Megan. Obviously, he's a racist. Mm. And it was like, I, where... where, And that's what Sharon was saying. She's like, where was the racism? And she's well, like, well, he didn't actually say anything racist. It was just implied because, you know, he didn't stand up for it.
3: D- d- don't you and find, like, though, that gen- in general, put, put the race aside, is it not that, you know, gradually we're all having personal opinions squeezed out of everything? It's like, if if society in general says this is acceptable, don't you speak against it?
1: But where does that leave shows well, like The Talk and The View and Hot Topic segments on Today and Sunrise and the and Robo Show where people are giving their opinions. Are they only going to be able to give the PC-approved opinions?
5: No, they're all just going to be confirmation bubbles. Yeah. They're going to have five people who all believe the exact same thing and their audience will only be the people that they like and anybody else is not, you know, be like, well, my feelings are more important than your thoughts or your science or your facts. And it's just, it's just going to get worse and worse and... I mean, eventually they'll probably all have to go away because, you know, we can't possibly have...
1: Well, I would just like to say you will never get that on the Ange, Robin Robo show. You will always get diverse <laughs> opinions. We argue with each other and sometimes we say the wrong thing, but the audience connects with what we're saying because it's all too bland out there at the moment. So if you want to take part in that show, just go to facebook.com slash the ARR show. There's the plug. Rod. Uh,
3: well, just, you know... Lots of different things polarize people uh, and lots of subjects. Now, what, just what Sarah was uh, saying, you know, will it get to the point where, like with the, the political side, if you're if you're left or blue, you'll watch CNN and you'll hear what you want to hear there. If you're a red, right, Trump supporter, you'll you'll watch uh, Fox News or they've all moved over to what is it, Newsmax, or what are the ultra right wingers that are following? You know, will people just tune into what opinion they agree with?
1: I think there are more centrists than those on a far left or far right. It's just that their niche. And they have loyal followings, whereas I think centrists are actually looking for alternatives and looking to learn. That's well, it's like I I watch
5: Newsy because I'm a centrist. Like, probably I vote libertarian because that's the closest to centrism you can get. But it's like if. My, my liberal friends think that I'm a, like a Republican and my Republican friends think that I'm, you know, a left, like, you know, just crazy liberal because <laughs> I'm in the center. And because I'm not an extreme on either side, the, both sides think that I'm the other way. Yes,
4: I feel like I should have mentioned this at the, at the beginning um, and even listening to this conversation I still don't actually get, sorry, what Sharon Osbourne actually did. She said she didn't agree with what Piers Morgan's uh, opinion for the most part, but agreed with the premise of his right to voice his opinion. Mm -hmm. And then she said, when you played that clip, she was basically saying, if I miss something, educate me, tell me, I want to Mm -hmm. learn, I want to understand. What actually did Sharon Osbourne do? Like, did I miss it?
5: She had an opinion that didn't agree with her friends.
3: Yeah, I'm with you, Aaron. Exactly. I've watched it several times. I don't see, apart from aligning partially with Piers Morgan, I don't see what she said that was so wrong. And, God, maybe I'm going to get screamed at for that. But, again, enlighten me.
1: I'm I'm seeing something as we record, and it's on Today Extra, and I've just seen the banner, that Sharon Osbourne is asking for millions to leave the talk. So she might be up for a severance (laughs) pay if CBS want her out. And once again, this is like Good Morning Britain with um, Piers Morgan, that the, the show will lose ratings. Good Morning Britain has lost 40% of its audience since Piers Morgan left. You take Sharon Osborne out of the talk, she is feisty, you will lose audience. And this is what executives don't understand. It is okay to polarise the audience. Viewers will not get behind bland. You put someone bland who doesn't offend anyone, they also don't energise anyone. David Koch is a perfect example. Carl Stefanovic, these people, Sam Armitage, these people polarise. They polarise the audience. People really hate them, people really love them. But you know what? No one's in the middle. I'm like that. I I feel throughout my whole career, I polarised people in a big way. They either loved me or they hated me. There's no middle ground with me. And that's why I've got such strong support and such strong haters. But you know what? Luckily, in usually all these cases, there are more supporters than haters. And that's what you need in life. And that's what you need on television. Don't make it bland or otherwise. We'll keep on going off to the streaming services.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm. All right, let's turn our attention to last week's ratings And Seven must be happy The AFL has returned With the Southern sport really putting the network back in the game With a strong 600,000 Metro viewers Married at First Sight continues to dominate for nine With figures above the million mark that helped nine win the week with a network share of 30.4%, followed by seven on 27.5%, ABC had 17.6%, and 10 was fourth on a 16.4% share. Primary channel rankings were exactly the same order. Hard Quiz was the number one entertainment show for the ABC on 622,000, and The Amazing Race was number one for 10 on 491,000. Aaron with the AFL back and new shows on the way. It's certainly going to be an interesting quarter two, especially for Seven. They can't wait to get past quarter one, presumably.
4: Definitely. Um, again, as expected, nine one another week. Um, but if you notice, the the gap between seven and nine was a lot closer uh, with the AFL, as you said. So it is the final night of the ratings on Saturday, the 27th of um, March, which is this weekend. And looking at the schedules for the two-week non-ratings period, it does look like they're in 80% mode, so they're still going to show a lot of their normal um, shows. Ratings beginning 11th of April. That'll be warm-up week until quarter two hits on the 18th of April. But it'll be great that we can actually sit here and actually discuss all the different battles going on rather than just saying nines won another week. It's going to be fun. We can all talk ratings in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, Rod, there are
1: a few shows coming back. We've mentioned it earlier. We've got Lego Masters. We've got MasterChef. We've got Big Brother on 7. Is there anything there that's uh, tickling your fancy?
3: I'll be very curious to see uh, how Big Brother comes together. I hope it's not a complete replay of last year, i.e. Survivor in a House. Uh, they did very well with it, but I'd still rather see Big Brother go a little bit back towards its roots, i.e. get to know the people more than what the promo campaigns show you.
1: I think that's happening this year, that we will get to know the contestants more this year. I I think the challenges are still pretty ramped up and probably even bigger than what we had last year. So they definitely like that format. But I think they've listened about getting to know the contestants. That's my mail on the situation anyway.
3: Fingers crossed that's what happens. Just back to the ratings themselves, though, I find it interesting that on um, Monday, the top ten except for MAFIS were all news programs, if you include Media Watch as a news program, and then Australian Story at 6.42. Like, Monday night used to always be the big night for ratings, and, you know, if Australian Story at 6.42 is the the highest entertainment program outside Mm. of MAFIS, that's a worry. But then even Sunday night, outside of the news and MAFIS, everything else struggle to get half a million, so... I know we've talked about it before. It probably gets boring, but you know, it's half a million now. The old million.
4: Mm-hmm. At, le- at least, um, at least, at least seven were honest about their uh, ratings for quarter one by showing our uh, inside Chernobyl on uh, uh, last night, because that's about how their ratings have gone. For them. <laughs> 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 wow. <laughs> wow! Wow! They, and that, can I just say they know it? They absolutely know it. Ultimate yeah. Tag was a stinker, but I'm telling you what, they are ready for quarter two.
1: Oh, look, absolutely. And can I just say, my favourite part of your commentary, Rod, was calling it Mathis. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: the rest of us Sorry. call it Maths. You go with Mathis. Yeah. I think I'm going to start using that. All right, Sorry. let's move on, because after the newspapers finally caught up on our exclusive story from ages ago that Daryl Summers would be back at the helm of the All-Stars edition of Dancing with the Stars, yeah, they finally caught up. He has spoken about Hey Hey It's Saturday and how it would fare on television today. More specifically, he said it wouldn't. Speaking to the Sunday Telegraph, Summer said, You probably could not get away with half the stuff you could on Hey Hey Now because of the political correctness and the cancel culture. A lot of comics can't work much because what would have been just tongue-in-cheek previously now can easily get them into trouble. Let's remember Hey Hey It's Saturday was the subject of multiple controversies over the years, particularly in the skits involving blackface. Now... We've been talking about cancel culture, how things change. We must remember that when Hey Hey came back for those reunion specials, did really really well. So well, Channel Nine commissioned a new series. Unfortunately, the show didn't change. When when they did the reunion shows and they just copied what they had been done in the past, we all went, "Oh, this is a nice nostalgia trip." But Rod, when those new shows came, we expected some kind of evolution, and it just wasn't there and they're doing things like the blackface skit, and it just killed the show.
3: Yeah, see, I I remember the the, the specials, but I I can't even remember what the the, the feeling of those those last series were that they made.
1: Um, It was exactly the same.
3: Yeah, well, well, I suppose well they thought that's what everyone wanted. They wanted the good old things back. and Yeah, they they should have brought something new to it for sure. But um, what amazed me actually talking about the cancel culture and, you know, the... The fact that Daryl would would never forget what happened with Harry Connick and the the blackface moment. That, what amazed me was when I went and dug that up. That was only eleven years ago, mm. and I remember seeing that go to air, and I, I thought at the time Harry Connick was being a knob. Um, but now it's like in eleven years, how much you change around, you just realize how wrong it was. And like the, the news article, it made global news. Like CBS, there was a commentator mm. on there said, uh, "Australia, the land that time forgot." And it's like, wow. Bit of a kick in the guts to us, but when you look at it now, if that hadn't happened, how much longer would it have taken, or what other sort of incident would have happened to change our our sort of mindset culturally and the sensitivities that obviously we weren't sensitive to?
1: Look, it's interesting you say that because it was a turning point, and, and I think it's easy to look back and saying, "Well, we were racist as a country, and you know we should have all known that wasn't right," but we didn't have the history of blackface in this country, and it took Harry Connick Jr. to stand up and say, this isn't right. And we all went, oh, really? Okay. And there has been such a shift in our um, in our thinking over those 11 years where we, as a country, have evolved and grown to where we, we now understand why it's not appropriate. But the simple fact is the whole country, I think there would have been very few in this country who, who were looking at the television in horror at that mm. skit. That's totally the simple agree. fact yeah. of where Australia was. And and you can write them back... You can write Australians off as racist or backwards or whatever. That's fine, but that's where the country was. I think that moment was a growing-up moment for this country, Sarah.
5: But you were right, because we didn't have blackface, so to us it was never a thing. So we didn't understand that that was racist because we just... Like, I remember as a small child, someone, like, asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said I wanted to be black. And they were like, what? And I was like, well, because they can sing, dance, and act. Mm. It's a triple threat. (laughs) And mom was like, you know that black people are horribly oppressed, right? And I'm like, what? She's like, Black people in America are, like, very oppressed. Like, they're not... And I'm like, but everything I see, it's like, you know, the Jacksons and all these actors, mm. and they're incredibly talented people. To me, it was like they had it all. Like, they were just the most talented actors and performers around, and I didn't understand that, you know, the slavery... I mean, I was, like, seven years old. But I didn't understand the history, and it wasn't until later, and then especially, you know, travelling through the South and the US, and you see that kind of stuff. But I think Australians were just never exposed to any of that and so they didn't understand Mm. it and now you know you see more the like u.s history and other countries histories and then you go oh yeah that was that was kind of shitty
1: that's a really interesting point because what we saw as consumers to american content was people of diversity were treated as equals in their films and television shows you know, like Eddie Murphy was the cop who had a bad attitude but was funny and solved the crimes in Beverly Hills Cop. You know, we, we saw lots of black actors as the lead characters and... Um, and owning it and and being great. And so here in Australia, we weren't getting a full sense of the racial divide that exists in the United States. The biggest regret I have about what Daryl didn't do with Hey Hey It's Saturday is the lack of evolution. And now nobody believes a variety show will work in this country. And Rove killed off any hopes with his Saturday night show. The pilot was actually pretty <laughs> good. But... The series had been tinkered to death and it was boring and slow and now people go, oh, people don't want variety. No, sorry, Rove McManus isn't funny. Rove McManus was never funny. Rove McManus had funny people around him. Peter Hellyer, you know, was hilarious. The comedians, Hamish and Andy were on his show. That was what made Rove Live a good show. We weren't watching for Rove. And the problem is when you base a whole show around him on a Saturday night with no support cast, what you got was that piece of crap that 10 aired as a Saturday night fixture with no heart and no soul. And until you get over this shiny floor, that everything has to be big shiny floor, not when you're talking about variety television. Yes, you want your shiny floor moments, but the heart of the show is the – stuff that goes wrong. It's the stuff where things are uh, intimate, where people are having a laugh. It's not the big, you know, spider cams and all that kind of stuff. Good variety at its core can be a person sitting in a room telling some jokes with some funny people around them. Let's bring back variety in this country. It's sorely missed. And I... Loathe the fact that the closest thing we've got is morning television and the Andrew and Robbo show, where you'll always get a good laugh. I'm doing way too many plugs, sorry. Uh, but, but, you know, basically breakfast TV has and morning shows have become our variety television, and Australia deserves better than that.
3: Yeah, and just further that, what I actually think is sad is, like, I know a lot of the, the crews, like directors and, and segment producers, producers that used to work on shows like the Midday Show. Yeah. And that's where not only did producers learn their craft, but directors learned how to cut multi-camera stuff and, and shoot variety. But the problem that, you know, killed off the Midday Show, because the Midday Show used to be a great breeding ground for, for up-and-coming production talent mm-hmm. – the fact was, it was just too expensive. Jeff Harvey and the orchestra, and you know, it was See, a I, big, expensive midday production. I don't, I don't cut production. that either. Yeah. Sorry, what, the, we the, did the Studio cost?
1: Ten, yeah. which I basically turned into into a variety show, uh, and we did that on the smell of an oily rag. And so yeah. you can't. This is what I mean. It doesn't have to have, you know, like it doesn't have to outprice itself. Studio Ten paid for itself because it had the advertorials, it had the content. So you can't tell me. To produce a variety show in prime time is going to cost you more than doing The Voice. It's not going to cost you $20 million to do a variety show or if it, even if it costs you $10 million, you're going to get 40 weeks or 30 weeks out of it rather than six-week or eight-week run. You know, yeah. the, the fact yeah, is point. the the networks need to believe in something and, unfortunately, until someone does it and it works, they're not going to jump on board and do it. So variety is dead in this country and I find it devastating. I would mm. love to see it back. We did totally a pilot. Great. We did a pilot called um, Saturday Night from Studio Ten. It was well received. I got nothing but positive feedback about it, and it just didn't
4: happen. And then they ran Rove's version, and I'm still bitter to this day. <laughs> hey Rob, I'm, I, I have to. After listening to this, I just wanted to say, I actually agree with Daryl. I mean, I know it's it's dead, but the fact that even in a news type forum like we're chatting today can be so controversial. Comedy is so much more edgy and so much more controversial. No one would be able to get away with anything. I mean, if this show was actually we were on the project and we were we would I honestly believe we'd all be in the office after some of the discussions we had around Sharon Osborne and and Sarah's comments about Americans you know white people being racist themselves and you know and it's going back you know the other way sort of thing these type of comments we had which people should be talking about we should be learning from and should be encouraging one another to have this discussion we all would have been cancelled and then you're expecting a comedy show which is much more edgy and much more you know can get robust um to actually work and not get cancelled everyone would be afraid to do something like that
1: That's because executives pay too much attention to the social media outrage and the headline bubble, right? Headlines are produced because they're looking for stories and they're looking for clicks. They're not listening to the actual viewers, right? This is really important. They're not paying attention to what the viewers want. Viewers who watch Good Morning Britain want to hear Piers Morgan because he's upset people in America... He's off with ITV, right? He's, he's not with ITV anymore. And those figures are going to go down because they're not listening to their viewers who want those opinions. They're listening to Twitter. And when you talk about complaints, it's usually from people who aren't watching the show. It's from people who have heard about what's been said. It's been retweeted. A video clip, a, a clipping has been pasted on Twitter and Facebook and people are reacting to that. And they're like, this can't be on TV. Well, you're not watching it anyway. You're watching something else. You're, you don't even you don't even have a TV, as people love to proclaim on Twitter. I don't have a TV. Then why the hell do you care what we're watching? Why?
5: Well, and half the time it's one journalist who's trolled Twitter looking for like three comments, and that's all there is is three comments saying I didn't like this, and it's like. So a million people did, and three people Mm -hmm. didn't, and that's what we're going with? We're going to pander to those three people who were probably offended about fucking everything?
4: Yeah. Did
5: you read the rest of their Twitter feed and just see if they were just, like, super angry people or if they had a valid point?
4: I 2,000% agree with Rob and Sarah, but that's just not the reality. You, you can't say that you think anything like that's going to change. They're going to, con- they're going to continue to listen to the five people on Twitter, the two people that ring up Channel 7 and complain about something, the five people that do that. It's I can't see that changing That's why TV soon.
1: will die a slow and painful death yep. because no one in the industry is listening to the viewer. They're all listening to the bubble, You know, take the Sydney media. They pretty much all live on the northern suburbs or the eastern suburbs. No one lives in the west. No one grew up in housing commission. They don't actually know what viewers watch. People who live on the northern suburbs, on the North Shore, don't watch TV. They're all off at dinner parties and the like. The simple fact (laughs) is your viewers are out in the suburbs. Go out to the suburbs. I once had a situation where... uh, I found this so condescending, but it happened. Uh, When I was working in promos at Seven... They did this big thing where we're going out to where the people are. We're going out to Penrith. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And I kid you not, there was one lady from marketing who was having a meltdown (laughs) on the bus because she had never been past Balmain. And she (laughs) thought she... She honestly thought she was going into the hoods of LA, you know? She thought she was going into the roughest stuff of... The, the roughest area of the roughest... Basically, she thought there was going to be sh- shotguns and knives. Like, seriously, I don't know what this person was thinking. And it was so condescending. And I thought, this is why you people don't understand what the viewers want. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you hit the nail on the head. But then you don't actually understand what's connecting with the audience. I think there are so many fakes in television, it's not funny, that just basically go from one thing to the next and there are no actual consequences if they stuff up a show. They just get handed another one until and another one and another one until, oh, this one hit, aren't I a genius? But your next five shows have all tanked. Oh, but the sixth one, rate it again. You're a genius. Now, look, I don't begrudge anyone that they can keep working and all that. I'm happy for everyone to work and, you know, but let's not fool ourselves that everyone in this industry knows what they're doing. There are some really smart players. I speak to some programmers. I speak to some executives, and I admire them. I am actually in awe of them about where they're coming from. I, I, you know, seriously, there are some people in the industry I greatly admire. There are a lot of pretenders, though, and that is the simple fact. Anyway, ran over. Uh, (laughs) 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 Sorry about that. You must have hit a nerve. Um, All right, uh,
3: it was well said. I thought.
1: (laughs) Thank you, mate. All right. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah.
5: Thanks, Rob. Stan's Chief Content Officer, Nick Forward, is moving on from his role to take up a position at OSN in Dubai. He will be replaced by the current Commercial Director of Content at Stan, Kalias Gobi. The Great Australian Bake Off will be returning to Aussie screens after it last aired on the Lifestyle Channel in 2009. A spokesperson for Foxtel told TV Black that they are in advanced discussions with the BBC to recommission further series. <laughs> SBS is serving up a brand new cooking show, The Cook Up with Adam Law, premiering on April 19th. It is the biggest commission in the network's history, ordering 200 episodes with the popular chef and author. Each episode, he will be joined by guests who include Jimmy Barnes, Joel Creasy, and Jessica Rowe. <laughs> Susie Youssef and Harley Breen have been named as the hosts of Making It Australia. Taking up the roles of Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman from the US format, the show celebrating all things craft will premiere on 10 later this year. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Coming up on TV Blackbox, we'll talk to Beck from Married at First Sight, who's dropping a few bombshells. Plus, we'll open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. This is TV Blackbox. Well, there's a reason Married at First Sight is Australia's number one show and it all comes down to drama, drama, drama. This week a scandal broke out where groom Bryce was accused of having a girlfriend while being married to Melissa. I spoke to Beck last night on the Ange Robin Robber show who has been front and centre throughout all of this scandal and she dropped a couple of bombshells right after we listened to that moment where she confronted Bryce in front of everyone.
0: Bryce, you know what you said in the gym. Tell me. What did I say? We've already had this conversation out there, so why do you want me to say it again?
4: What did did I say? Everyone's listening. Sorry, you said, you said, first
0: of all, oh, I don't want to tell you where I put you, but I put you up on the top of the attraction scale. Yeah, but that's the long gone, mate. Hang on, this is a conversation we had and then you said it will be so easy to get to the end of this with Liz Mm. Um, she's easy to get along with and I was thinking end game why are you treating this like a game then you said there's a girl on the outside you had a friend here and I don't know if he did in Sydney and he said to me that his friend was going back and asked if he wanted to buy a gift for this girl but he didn't want to get caught so he didn't that was the conversation
3: uh, you're a blatant liar, so I'm just listening to your bullshit.
0: You're sitting here blatantly lying yourself. I'm How not lying. Well, I'm How here and lie? How am I lying? version of the conversation? Like, oh, we had a chat the, gym. the I said that. Nah. Yeah.
3: I said the comments, but I've never mentioned a gift. This is the thing. But you mentioned a girl. Mate, sorry I met a girl on Tinder two months before coming here and slept with her a couple of times. Yeah.
1: Wow, drama, drama, drama. Beck joins me now. Beck, someone's telling porky pies. <laughs> Hello, and yes,
0: Hello. someone definitely is telling
1: porky pies. <laughs> is it you or Bryce?
0: Oh, we all know it's Bryce, even his body language and his, I guess his fight style says it all.
1: Now, look, for anyone who hasn't been watching, the claim is Bryce told you he had a girlfriend while filming Married at First Sight, which is obviously supposed to be a show about finding love. And you're saying he openly told you that?
0: Yeah, so... I actually didn't know there was a rumour going around at all when the dinner party first started. Jake and I walked in quite blindsided to it and everyone was talking about Mm. it. So we think it obviously has stemmed off Joe, who was the only other person that I confided in and spoke to about. Yet even to her I said, I don't have, you know, any proof that he said this to me and we kind of let it lie. And now Jake um, was actually the first one to know all about the information because what happened was as soon as um, Bryce told me this information, in the gym jake actually entered the gym so i left with him and said hey jake we've got a cuckoo on our hands here um uh, and told jake everything uh, <laughs> jake was the one that actually prevented me from confronting bryce about it even at the first dinner party when i seen him going for sam and i even said to jake like oh i should just say something and jake's like no just let it go let it go and then as soon as it turned into rumor i was like I May as well just address it And I was trying to help the guy. I was like, this is your opportunity just to say what you said. Um, Rather than it being, you know, about a secret girlfriend, I just wanted everyone to know what i have been told. And uh, he dug himself a grave, to put it bluntly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Beck. I've got to say, if he's lying, he is an amazing liar. Like, seriously, let's have a look at you two talking during last night's commitment ceremony because his focus is... Seriously, if he was, if I was a juror and he was testifying, I would believe his testimony. Let's have a look.
0: The fact that you told me Mm. that you were buying a present for someone
4: else—I've never said those words.
0: Okay, Bryce. Again, he said, she said, and we knew All this you All you going to say
3: happen. to me is, "Okay, Bryce, you can't validate what you're saying." Because you say, it's, okay, he said, Bryce. she
0: said, it always because will be, and you will say, okay, continue. Bryce, you'll true. continue to fight that demon inside right, you tonight as in. much as yeah, you want. Let me
4: step in. Stupidity, John. It's honestly arguing with a child, man.
0: Why do you always belittle people? Even in the gym, you're belittling your wife to me to make what yourself feel bigger.
3: Can I just oh, jump I- in?
0: Can I please continue, Bryce? I
3: don't think you deserve it. Not during our catch time, Bryce.
1: Jesus. So, Beck, when you see him so adamant about that, do you ever doubt yourself? Like, do you ever think, well, maybe I misheard?
0: Not at all. I think if someone thinks something's a rumour, why wouldn't they just laugh it off or Mm -hmm. confirm that it is a rumour? It's the way he presents himself, his red ears, his hand around his mouth. It's all the small things that lies actually do. I think that kind of do give it away. Um, However, again, I think it's just the way he approached the situation. I gave him three opportunities to kind of speak to Melissa and that's when he started unravelling himself and kind of couldn't keep the story straight and i already seen the way he was trading melissa as it was so i didn't want to i guess back down from him even though he was trying to i guess intimidate
1: mm. well he was certainly trying to make you doubt yourself there's no doubt about that look the paps have plenty of photos of bryce and melissa together so we know they're still an item that's not in doubt what piece of advice do you have for melissa
0: look no spoilers but there is some advice i already do give melissa she is not experienced in relationships and um like everyone would have seen on the couch um the other night she's scared that bryce is going to leave her Mm. she should not be scared of someone else leaving her she should be scared that she might lose herself in that process so Mm. my advice to melissa is stay true to who you are and um don't don't get lost in i guess someone else's narcissistic behavior
1: so would you, if, if you were playing Dolly Doctor or something, would you say stay or leave?
0: I would say run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, fair yeah, enough. Um, can you understand, though, why she has chosen to believe her partner Bryce and not you?
0: Oh, 100%, you know, Melissa's entered this experiment uh, and is deeply and, and madly falling for Bryce. You know, the thought of her not having him by her side, I can see could be, you know, so heartbreaking. And it wasn't even about wanting her to believe me. It was more around wanting her to address it and, I guess, find out more rather than just put all her trust in Bryce, you know. Maybe mm. try asking him to back it up with some evidence, for example. Um but, yeah,
1: we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, as you can see, I am invested in this series and I'm invested with what's happening with you as well. Um, yes. You've got things happening on multiple fronts. Let's talk about tonight's episode because it didn't exactly go well for you and Jake when you had that Zoom call with both your families. Your mum was really ready to pull him into line, wasn't she?
0: Absolutely. I've never seen <laughs> So under
1: fire, but yeah, it was good watch. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was. And do you think your mum was playing favourites with you, or do you think she was looking at it objectively?
0: Uh, Definitely objectively. My mum has never played favourites with me, ever, Uh, (laughs) even in previous relationships. She's always been, like, my harshest critic. Um, What I guess you don't see is they watched the three commitment ceremonies prior. Mm -hmm. Now, these were before they were edited. So, Mum's been able to see the unedited version of the three commitment ceremonies, and she's going off that.
4: Ah. So,
0: what see and what she sees is very different.
1: Got you. In that, in what we saw though, as a viewer tonight, mm-hmm. you seem genuinely surprised that Jake wanted to call it quits.
0: Yeah, I feel quite frustrated, I think, at this point. Jake's thrown in the towel very fast and very easy, especially off the back end of such a great week. Mm. Uh, And this is where I feel I'm trying to address issues that I'm having with Jake and he's choosing not to agree or listen to the problems that I'm having with him. And it was easier for him to kind of just fail on the idea of trying to improve our relationship.
1: Well, it sounds like you don't let him go without a fight. So I'm really looking forward to see what happens over the next week or two. Beck, Married at First Sight continues at 7.30 tomorrow. It's seriously, this is the number one show on television for a reason. Thank you for joining us again on the Robin Robbo Show. I hope you'll come back.
0: No worries. My pleasure. Always will come back to you guys. Love it. Thanks.
1: Oh, Married at First Sight, please never change. Now we're going to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone has been watching. Rod, what's been on your list this week?
3: Well, I've been getting a little bit of sport and a bit of period drama. Now, I'm not a sports fan, but um, what I would highly recommend on Netflix, and it's in its third series, and I can't remember what made me watch it, but uh, Drive to Survive, the Formula One docu- doco series, oh. bloody brilliant. If, and it's like every episode's emotional... And, like, you know, as I say, I don't like motorsport that much, or car racing in particular, but it's great. Like, if you want to see a really uh, well-produced, really good dramatic documentary series, watch that. And the period drama is The Great, which is a modern sort of take on the retelling of Catherine the Great with uh, L Fanning and oh, yeah. uh, Nicholas Holt. It's great. It's got swearing and uh, lots of sex, but it's funny. And when you actually go back and look at the history of Catherine the Great, it's pretty true seemingly to what happened, so I highly recommend it.
1: The only problem with that one is I was really enjoying it and then after about four or five episodes, I just fell off and stopped watching.
3: Yeah? Hmm. Ooh, interesting.
4: Aaron, what have you been watching? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I have this habit of seeing shows out, even when they're really dumb. So I actually have kept watching Ultimate Tag, just so I can say I've seen oh, it until the end. It's terrible. I've got this. I'll, I'll stay on shows forever and, and not even enjoy them. But anyway, uh, on Thursday night, Gogglebox um, was on, and they were previewing a show on SBS called The Black Full Monty, and I thought, oh. I actually want to see this whole thing. So I, oh. I, went, on, I went on to SBS and watched it, and... Well, I should have realised SBS actually show everything. There was some really big black (laughs) things going, flying around everywhere. It was... uh Interesting. Um, and then the last one I want to mention, because I've mentioned this a couple of times, The End. Um, so that's the one with Noni Hazelhurst in the retirement village. And I've been going on about this show and Noni, Noni Hazelhurst has taken drugs. She's been naked in the pool. There's been a choir of singers where they all their heads turned into vaginas. Well, I thought <laughs> I had seen everything. So now I'm up to the second last episode this week. Noni Hazelhurst is in bed with another female resident in the retirement village and she's um going down on oh that gosh. other lady in bed. It, they're both in their six, 60s or seventies or whatever. And this lady's Noni Hazlehurst is um lunching away down there and uh, I thought this wow. is I thought I'd wow. never see the lady from play school doing that on television. What an wow. interesting show that was right. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah what wow. have you been watching?
1: <laughs>
5: So, um, I, with SAS coming back and some other stuff, I decided to, uh, find some episodes online and, um, that is straight up torture porn. (laughs) Um, there is just, I know, um, uh, I watched some 90 day fiance the other way, which is where Americans are abandoning the U S to go live overseas. And I swear they always find the dumbest people. It's kind of like maths, but it's like, like they're actual couples and it's just, it's mind boggling the things that some of these people do. Um, and then we watched a horrifically bad Australian movie called 2067, um, which had Ryan Quantin in it and it was set in the future and there was no oxygen left and it was a whole thing with time portals and it was terrible. Please don't watch it. Um, we watched corporate animals with um, Demi Moore and it was hilarious because um, she's the boss and they're going on this retreat and her intern who became a person said that she Weinstein'd him. And there was this whole five minute reference to Weinsteining people, which we thought was hilarious that that is now in the vernacular. Mm. And then, um, after that, the best thing I watched all week was called Kid 90, which Soleil, Soleil Moon Fry, who was Punky Brewster, had a camcorder as a kid and recorded her entire life. She um, kept every single, like, voice message anyone had sent her, all of her diaries, all of her letters. And um, as a former child star, it was fascinating watching another child actor, looking back on their life but they'd actually documented everything and there's like mark Wahlberg, and uh as he calls himself charles sheen um who apparently she lost her virginity Mm. to and he was a total gentleman which none of us would have expected um and it was like every child actor that you know like like growing up that i had a crush on like balthazar getty um and um steven dorf and a whole bunch of people and it was like the most fascinating documentary and i'm not sure if you weren't a child actor if it would mean as much i don't know it um, sounds fascinating to me, to me. Was, yeah. it was that was probably the best thing that i've seen in a long time and it was on hulu so if you if it's on hulu in australia i definitely recommend Kid 90 one. kid 90 and it was about being a kid in the 90s and all of the and and it and it features like Brian Austin Green and a whole bunch of like all of the big child actors of the '90s. But it's also got a whole element of she grew up and she she heard people but she didn't listen. And it's dedicated to all of her friends that actually committed suicide.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to hunt that one out. I've been on a bit of a binge feast in bits and pieces. Uh, I took a look at The Vicar at Dibley because we lost Trevor Peacock. At 89, he played Jim Trott on the show. So I've been watching a bit of Vicar Dibley, which I absolutely love that show. My wife and I usually have one show that we watch together over lunch and things like that because we both work from home. So uh, that is currently the one on Netflix and we're finding that really compelling and enjoying it. Uh, I've been addicted to Married at First Sight and loving being able to binge the episodes ahead of time. Thank you, Channel 9. I have to tell you, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a movie on television. This is no, uh, You know, we talk about how can Australian productions compete? You can't. This is literally something you would expect to see at the movies and it's on Disney+. It's absolutely phenomenal and I can't wait for more episodes. Justice League, the Snyder Cut, was phenomenally brilliant I had no interest in what was happening with DC and you know I watched a little bit of um, Batman and and I just thought it was woeful now I'm actually interested in going back and seeing uh, Superman versus Batman and and watching all those because I just found this four-hour extravaganza so compelling i'm really also enjoying afternoon briefings on the abc 24 news service with patricia carvelis it's really informative really a great take on what's happening each day is in political circles and with that kind of news i really love it and i just got brit box And I'm having a trip down memory lane as I watch old episodes of Doctor Who. I'm watching the first Doctor at the moment and just Mm. loving it. Thank you, Brett Box. You've got me. All right. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget our sister podcast, TV Binge Box, where they do a full episode on what's happening on television and streaming services, and that comes into your podcast feed. Every Monday night slash Tuesday morning. So keep an eye out for that one with Brookie, Malk, Dan and Joe Casamento. Uh, Until next week, Aaron Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Sarah, good on you.
5: I just want to say throughout this whole Zoom thing, there keeps being a man behind you. And I feel like we're in a horror movie where there's a guy.
1: Oh, it's you. Yeah, it's my reflection. It's your off reflection. The, monitor, I I the big I monitor I, I used for the Andrew and Robbo show isn't <laughs> turned on. I
5: kept waiting for someone to come and like, start stabbing you.
1: It was terrifying me the whole time. <laughs> oh, good on you, Sarah. Uh, Rod, we'll see you next week.
3: I'll see you next week, and uh, hopefully I'll learn how to say maths instead of mappers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, for more exclusives and all your TV inside, go to tvblackbox.com.au. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Call me, man. Bye. only from Rustolium